Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In this weekend's Gospel, Jesus teaches us how radical sin is in our spiritual life. It's caustic. In fact, it's detrimental to our spiritual well-being. And he also teaches us just what is required, a radical response on our part to eradicate sin in our spiritual life. Several years ago, there was a young man named Aaron Ralston. You may have heard of him in his story. He was hiking in the southwestern United States in the desert. He was hiking all by himself. Well, what he wanted to do was hike down low in a canyon. So as he was rappelling down into this canyon, he fell unexpectedly, and his left arm was pinned between two large boulders. Now he tried for hours and hours to extricate himself, to get his left arm out of those boulders, but he couldn't. For two days and two nights, he tried to free himself, but he couldn't. Convinced after the second day that unless he freed himself from these boulders, he would definitely die, either from exposure to the elements or just sheer dehydration being in the desert. And so it called on a radical act on his part. He reached into his backpack and found his pocket knife. He opened up the pocket knife and he began to cut and cut. He began to cut his pinned arm off. Now, despite how excruciating the pain was, he continued to cut and cut until he finally freed himself. He made a crude tourniquet to stop the bleeding and then began to walk out of the desert. He found a road and then the road led to a highway and someone found him and picked him up and rescued him. And he lives today to tell the story. A few years later, somewhat of a similar incident happened with a young woman. She was surfing off the coast of California when suddenly a shark attacked her. The shark grabbed her by the arm and dragged her under. Now, for a split second, she thought if she didn't do something, the shark was going to drown her and kill her. Well, it called upon a radical act on her part in order to save herself. While underwater and in the grasp of the shark, she began to beat the shark in the face with her free arm. At the same time, she began kicking at that shark's eyes, hoping to hurt the shark. And in doing so, the shark would release her and swim away. Unfortunately, the shark's jaws were so powerful that the shark bit down on her arm and severed the arm completely off. Now, this young woman had the presence of mind to make it to the surface of the water and try and signal other boaters, and she did. Some boaters found her, picked her up, and rescued her. Now, in both of these stories, these two young people faced radical situations, life-and-death situations, 
It required a radical response in order for them to live. See, I think that's exactly what Jesus is teaching in this gospel as it pertains to sin. Notice what he says here. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. In the ancient world, millstones were used to grind wheat into flour. But these were not ordinary stones. These were very large, round stones that weighed hundreds of pounds. If that stone were tied around our neck and we were thrown into the ocean, we would surely die. There would be no hope for us. And see, that's what Jesus is trying to emphasize here, how radical sin is, how detrimental it is to us in the spiritual life. Now, sin is something that we can't just talk about in passing, that we just can't laugh off. Sin has a direct consequence on the mortality of our souls. It requires a radical response on our behalf to eradicate it, get it out of our life. Now, this talk in the gospel by Jesus may be a bit unsettling for us. You might feel uncomfortable with it. But if you study the gospels, countless times Jesus uses this hard language. Does he do it to scare us? No, absolutely not. Instead, he does it first to gain our attention and then to tell us just how serious this teaching is. Go to our great spiritual giants, our spiritual masters of our church throughout the centuries, people like Bonaventure, Augustine, Benedict, Francis of Assisi. They all wrote about how sin is a spiritual danger to us. They referred to it as spiritual warfare. And therefore, a radical response was required of us to combat these spiritual dangers. What's required of us? To look upon this gospel with all seriousness. Now go back into it. Jesus says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. Does he literally mean we must cut our hands off? No. Take it to a spiritual level. What do we use our hands for? Well, to reach out and grab things. We learn that at a very early age, when we're infants, we're constantly grabbing things. Well, where do we see in sacred scripture people doing just that, grabbing after something? How about Adam and Eve in the fall from grace? Adam and Eve grasp at that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in doing so, they eat that fruit and original sin is ushered into our world. Now, I would argue it's in that sure act of grasping at that fruit that sin is ushered into this world. Now, why do Adam and Eve grasp at that fruit? It's because they see God as a rival. They see that God is keeping something from them. Therefore, in that act of grasping, they want to be like gods themselves. They want to be equal to God. Well, that continues on in our own day and age. People grasping, you know, at God, saying to God, you know, I am equal to you. A great example of this is found in moral relativism. You may have heard about it, read about it. Moral relativism is the notion that the individual and not God 
is the sole determinant of what is morally good and evil in this world. Each and every person can determine by themselves, without God, what is morally right and wrong for that specific person. I'll give you a great example of this. A person works in a factory. He has all these fine tools around him, purchased by the factory in order for him to do his work. He says to himself, you know, that drill is very nice. That ratchet set is just great. I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them home and use them and keep them for myself. And why not? I should. And it's not stealing. No, it isn't. In fact, I earned this. He says to himself, you know, last year, our company made hundreds of thousands of dollars of profit. And the VPs, those corporate cats, they gave themselves bonuses and raises because of the success of our company. And I didn't get any bonus and I didn't get any raise. Therefore, I'm going to take these tools. They are my bonus for doing so well and contributing to the success of this company. Therefore, he doesn't see it as stealing. See, therein lies moral relativism. This person can justify anything at all, even sin itself. Nothing is wrong. See, that's why it is so dangerous. And that's why it is so permeated, not just our culture, but also our church. See, this is why moral relativism is grasping at God. Now the individual tells God that they are the sole determinant of what is morally good and evil rather than God. And yet, what does Jesus say? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, if we truly are practicing this moral relativism, spiritually, we must cut off our hands. We must stop seeing God as a rival or equal to us. What's required of us? A radical act on our behalf. We must recognize that God is the sole arbiter of what is morally right and wrong in this world. We must accept it and follow it. Next, Jesus says, If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown in Gehenna. Well, what do we use our feet for? To walk. The whole aspect of the spiritual life is always walking the path that leads to God the path that we're all supposed to walk. And yet some people walk other paths. They walk the path to honor and pride and power and greed and the ego and materialism. They walk these paths that lead away from God. Now, again, if you study the Gospels, you see Jesus using stories or parables about walking. A man built a vineyard and went on a journey. Or how about the road to Emmaus, where Jesus literally walks with the two men as he opens their minds up to understand Scripture? Jesus uses journeys or walking as synonymous with the spiritual life. So, if we are walking the wrong path, it requires a radical act on our part. We must spiritually cut off our feet, which means we have to abandon that road or that path that we're walking on. And instead now, Walk on the path or the road that always leads to Christ. Finally, Jesus says, If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown in Gehenna. Well, I always say baptism is the second greatest event in our life because in that event, we are grasped and claimed by God forever. 
The greatest event in our life is when we come face to face with the beatific vision, when we come face to face with God in heaven. That truly is the greatest event in our life. Our spiritual life is all about looking and seeing the presence of God in our life and in this world. And yet, if our eyes are distracted by the allure of this world, then we have a hard time seeing God's presence in our life. What's required of us? Well, a radical act on our part. We must look away from the distractions of this world and turn towards God and focus all of our attention on Christ and his presence in our life. See, when we do that, then we're going to be okay in the spiritual life. Friends, I strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread this gospel. Yes, it has hard language associated with it because Jesus is tackling a very serious problem in the spiritual life, sin itself, and how detrimental it can be in our spiritual wellness and well-being. What we must do, it requires for us a radical act. Get on the right path that leads to Christ. Focus our attention always on Christ and Christ alone. See, if we do that, then sin no longer has any power over us. May the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.